Well, good morning. Some of you are awake. That'll work. We have coffee. I made it. You won't have to drink it again for like a week. <laughs> so uh, that's good. Hey, I'm really glad um, you're here this morning. Um, I've been looking forward to this Sunday. And so for those of you that have been around know that I'm one, there are two things. One, it's potluck, so you know I'm not going to preach as long because I can smell the food. Um, but two, the, the other idea is that we are going to do kind of a survey later today. I've been talking about it the last couple of weeks about um, natural church development. Have like what are the areas and what are the things to see the church grow? And honestly, I've been thinking through this message all week, and it, it's been nice because Universal put me back on days, so each evening it's been good. And then my wife, if you notice, she's not here today. She is up in North Carolina um, because my do- youngest daughter is coming home for Thanksgiving this week, and they have to drive home tonight. Um, starting at like 7.30, 8 o'clock tonight. So they're driving through the night from North Carolina. So she's up there to help her drive and everything. So I was sitting around last night saying, okay, I know this, um, and, and you're going to hear more about natural church development later and, and everything. And, and, and I, my heart is for the church to grow. You know, that, that's, you know if that, that's not any pastor's heart. If the pastor's heart is not for his church to grow, then you probably shouldn't be pastoring that church. Um, anymore. And, and so my heart is for it to grow because I understand as we grow, we can do more impact and we can be more fruitful for God's kingdom in this community. And, and so I was seeing through that and I had all this stuff. And about midnight last night, I honestly, I was watching the UCF game. Go Knights. They won. Um, Florida State won too. So our hope is still alive and, and stuff. It was a very good day yesterday. I just want you to know for football fans. But but um. But as I was sitting there, God just started talking to me, and I was talking, and I says, God, this just doesn't feel right. And so about 1 o'clock this morning, I rewrote this entire sermon. And so we're going to have some fun this morning, because I just believe the idea that we are a people that desire to go deeper. I, I, I think the status quo has been status quo for too long in our lives. I think there, there are followers of Christ, there are people coming to church that says, is there more than just showing up, singing some songs, and, and going... And that's been the heart of all that. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, um, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. If you use an electronic device, I put it up there. We have a Wi-Fi here. It says GBC Guest. Just type in Find More, all lower caps. You can follow along there um, with us. But um, I just, this idea of becoming more and and going deeper. Um, And I think that's what we need to talk about this morning. And so, as always and forever, these are the only words that matter. Um, Really? Especially today, since I was writing this at 1 o'clock this morning, these are the most important words, probably the most coherent words um, today. And and I have no authority outside of these words. Um, I have no right to get up in front of you and speak every Sunday. We have no right to be a church without these words. And so out of respect and acknowledgement of the authority of these words, I'm just going to ask if you'll stand with me. In Ephesians 5, starting at verse 15, Paul writes this. He says, pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God, the father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. You pray with me. God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to kind of come together to be here. Father, uh, every week I'm just humbled 
By the fact, God, you don't need me to preach. You don't need us to sing, but you invite us, God, just to come into your presence and to be changed. Father, as we dive into your word this morning, Father, I pray that these would be your words, not mine. God, that you will take them, that you will use them to pierce hearts. God, to change lives. God, to start something new. God, you promised to meet us where we're at, but you love us enough not to leave us there. And so, God, that's what I pray. I pray for movement today. I pray for a change, God, a beginning, a revival of your people, God, an awakening of those that don't know you, God, of just just moving and changing, God, and let this all be about you. I pray for ears to hear, for hearts to respond, and the courage to live it out. God, may we be different because we are here today. And may you get all the glory and all the praise. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as, as I said... I've been thinking a lot about like church growth and, and the idea and there's you know there's a thousand strategies and there's programs and and there's all kinds of stuff that can happen and, and you can you can have the world's best building and you can have the lasers and all kinds of stuff and and I, we could probably get a hologram pastor here if you really want one I don't know but there's all kinds of stuff we can do to draw people and we live in like the entertainment capital probably of the world you know and one thing I do know is that we will never ever outdo Disney. I don't have that budget. I'd love that budget, but I don't have that budget. We're not going to outdo them. And so, so this idea about growth and, and how we do that, and I've been challenged with this idea that there's just natural growth that happens. When we're doing the things that God wants us to do, when we're doing things the way God wants us to do, I believe that always leads to freedom, that always leads to growth and change. When we do it our way, that's when the problem comes in. And so... Last night as I was praying through this and thinking through this, I just started thinking about the idea that the church grows as the people grow. I, I, I think that's the truth. It's not about programs. It's not about, it's not about strategies. It's not about, but it's as the people grow into the people that God created them to be. As, as we start taking hold of our faith, as we start taking and living it out and fleshing it out on a daily basis, and we're growing, then I think the church grows along with it. I think that's the healthy way to grow. I mean, you can send out a million flyers and invite a bunch of people to church and have going. They'll come out and they'll see a good show. But is that what we really want as a church? As a people, just a good show. See, I believe that people are actually looking at the church closer than they've ever looked at it before. And they're looking at us that claim to be followers of Christ and say, is there really a difference? Does it make any sense for me to actually go put my faith and my trust and to live this way? Is there any change? And I say yes when we're actually living it. And so I believe as we grow as people in our faith, the church will grow naturally with that. I think, listen, I, I believe with all my heart, people will drive miles and miles and miles to see a church on fire. To see a people on fire, to see something that's actually real. And, and I think that's been the issue. We, we've so kind of entertainmentized our faith and, and what we do that we have an entire generation out there saying, I just want to see something that's actually real. And, and, and the truth is, is it, it matters the way we live outside these walls. That in fact, that, that's what Paul says in verse 5 and 6, or I'm sorry, verse 15 and 16. He says, pay careful attention then how you live, 
not as unwise people, but as wise. It matters how we live. It makes absolutely no sense to me that we would claim to know Jesus to say, hey, I'm a Christian and not look anything like him outside these walls. So it really does matter how we live. Verse 16 says, make the most of time because the days are evil. Look around us. It is a dark, divisive, angry time in our culture. And of all people, those that claim to know Christ, that actually have Christ in them, should be the ones that are the peacemakers, the ones that they see where there's hope is, where there's light, where there's purpose. It should be us, and so it really does matter how we live. It's not about just showing up on a Sunday morning and, and singing a song and raising hands. Listen, I can get a group of monkeys to come in here and raise their hands and dance around. All i got to do is hang some bananas from the roof, and it'll look like the greatest worship session you've ever seen. It has to translate out. We can't, I've said this before, and I will keep saying this over and over again. We cannot be the church inside here if we're not the church out there. And we'll never grow in here if we're not doing what God has called us to do out there. God, nowhere in the Bible does he call the church to be a holy huddle. And yet I think in so many circles, in so many places, in so many churches that are in decline, that's exactly what's happened. We've all huddled up because we're so afraid of culture. We're so afraid of what's happening in our world and our politics and everything. And so we just huddle up. Can I tell you something? The God I know is bigger than all that mess that's out there. And he's fully aware. He's never surprised. And he's still in control. And we can live that way. And we should live that way. In fact, I think we're commanded to live with it. In fact, that's the heart. If, if you ever hear me over and over again, I always talk about that we believe God wants more for us and God wants more from us. That there's more to just showing up and singing some songs. There's more than just having like a quick five-minute devotion in the morning and then going and doing whatever you want. There, there's more to life. There's more fulfillment. There's more hope. <coughs> There's more purpose. And we experience that when we're connected to him, when we're living this way. And that's, that was the heart when three years ago when my wife and I said, we're going to plant a church because I think we've lost the more. And, and I think that's this, and, and that's what we're, we're talking about. So, so what's that look like? I, I think one of the very first things is it's empowered living and empowered serving. Look at verse 17 and 18. Time to get new glasses. Verse 17. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. The very first thing is we need to know God's will. Have you ever asked that question? What is God's will for my life? What is God's plan and will for life? I'm going to tell it to you. It's really, I mean, this, just write it down if you need to, if you've been asking that. Here it is. Know God, make him known. That's his will. You'll know the Lord your God and you'll worship him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and you'll love people and then you'll go and make him known. That's God's will for each and every person on this planet, to know him and to make him known. And we can do that no matter what we're doing. You don't have to be a pastor or, or on some foreign mission field. or, or, or doing. You can know God and make him known, and that's his will. And, and, and we are empowered and supposed to live that way. And hopefully, that's something you hear over and over and over again at this church. That every time we say that, that God has a plan for you, 
God has a purpose for you, and you can discover that, and you can live it out. But if the only time you're doing it is in here, you're never going to experience what it truly is. It's the only time we do it. Listen, listen I, I'm, I'm, I'm a good old Southern Baptist. I was born, and I was in nursery. <laughs> I've been to every vacation Bible school, backyard Bible club, mission trip, everything. <coughs> I was good. My <coughs> my uncles were all deacons. My my grandfather was a pastor, and I got I got all that stuff. And, and I know exactly how to put that face on. Do we know that the church face? How you doing? Fine. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. And then we go out those doors, and our praise becomes cursing. Or whatever we want it to be. There's a difference in the way we live. And it matters how we live. It matters that we follow God's law. Even when we don't like them. There are precepts. There are things in here that we don't always like. And say, well, it would be easier if I didn't tell anybody. Or if I didn't live this way. And, 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 and it would be easier if I just could do it my way. We think that. But it matters that we do things God's way. Can I tell you this again? You have two choices in this life. Do it your way, and I promise you it leads to bondage and imprisonment every time. Do it God's way, and it leads to freedom. That's it. Black and white. And, and I get accused of that an awful lot. I say, you're too black and white. I says, but that's what, I don't see gray areas. The only gray area I see in scripture is found in Revelation when he says, I wish you were cold or hot, either one, but you're lukewarm, you're gray. And so I vomit you out of my mouth. And, and so we, we're called to do that. And by the way, it's the God's spirit that empowers us to lead and share. If you think like, I'm not qualified I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not good enough. I, I can't do this. You're absolutely right, because neither am I. It is God's spirit that indwells us. That's why Paul adds that little thing. And there he says, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living. But be filled by the spirit, because your fulfillment, your, your passion, your purpose, your hope lies in the spirit of God, not in anything else. And we live in a culture that is desperately trying to fill that need for purpose with everything else other than his spirit. We, we, we are supposed to live an empowered life. We're, we're supposed to serve with all have. And it should be for God. It doesn't matter what you do, what your profession is, what, 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 your, um, what your job is or where you live. Wherever you're at, God has placed you there because you can live, you can live empowered life and you can serve him there. In fact, that's what Paul says in Colossians 3.23. He says, whatever you do, do it from the heart. It's something done for the Lord and not for people. Listen, I was raised by a West Virginia hillbilly that just ingrained in me a work ethic. Like, you do your job, you do it well, you show up, you're not late, you don't call in sick unless you're bleeding out on the side of the road. Is that, that's my life, that's how I was raised. And so whether I'm here planning a message or, or, or thinking about leadership or strategies or figuring out how we can train or do people, or I'm at Universal being a security officer standing there just hoping that drunk person does not throw up on me, and can understand what I'm saying. I don't do it for anybody else other than the Lord. That's what we're called to do. Your boss is not your boss. Your boss, the person that it points to, is Jesus. It's our Savior. That's, that's what we're called to do.
to live a spirit-filled life to to do this now let me let me let me tell you it is our job it is my job to equip you Listen, that, that's out of Ephesians. It says, you know, the pastor is called to equip the saints for the work. Nowhere in Scripture does it says the pastor's job is to do everything. And if you want me to do everything, nothing's going to get done. I can promise you that. I'm horrible. <laughs> there are a few things that I'm really, really good at, and there are a lot of things, a lot more things that I'm not that great at. It, it is my job to equip you. It is our job as a church to have structure in place where you can grow. Where, where, you can, where you can live out your faith, where you can experience your faith, you can experience it more. It's, it's our job to make ministries for you to come up and say, man, I just feel like, man, we should be doing this. And I'm the kind of person, you come and tell me, says, man, I think I have this great idea for ministry. I'm like, great, when can you start? <laughs> What's funny is eight out of ten times when someone says, I got a great idea for ministry, I say, when can you start? They're like, no, 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 I, I, want, I, want, I want you to do it. And I'm at a place in my life and in my faith and my ministry where I say, well, then we're not going to do it because I don't have time. We, we have to be a place, and it's my job to equip you and, and figure out your giftings and stuff. And listen, if you don't know what your giftings are, can I tell you something? We don't have to, like, do an entire series and put out papers for you to do a gift test. Google spiritual gift test, and you will get 5,000 hits to just saying, okay, here we go. And you can figure that out, and you can do it, and I'll help you do that. But it's our job to equip. It's our job to put the structure in place. But it's your job to do something out of it and do something with it. Listen, I think the best discipleship plan, the best plan for you to grow and understand who Christ is in your life and what that looks like in your life is actually to serve. Not to sit in some class or some Bible study, but it's actually to go out and live it and to do it. And even if you fail or you mess up or you struggle and stuff, you're going to learn and you're going to grow more and more. And I figured this out years ago when I, as a youth pastor, I sat there and, and everyone's clamoring and says, what's your discipleship plan? Okay, how are you going to disciple my kids and stuff? And I said, well, first of all, that's your job, biblically. I've just come alongside you. They never liked that answer. <laughs> Second of all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach them and put them in places where they have to share the gospel and share the testimony. One of the greatest fears of any youth pastor years are homeschool parents. I just want you to know, nothing against homeschool parents. If you homeschool, that's great. But one of the greatest fears of us is always homeschool parents because they're always there. I had this girl that the entire church looked at, and they said, man, she's just amazing. She's like, she has her own halo. When she walks around, angels sing. It's just, and you can hear it. It's just, she's the perfect kid and everything. And she was homeschooled, and she was amazing. And so I looked at her and said, you know what, I'm going to start taking you to the local high school with me because once a month we share the gospel and we share testimonies and stuff and, and we're doing this kind of club where we're, kids are sharing the gospel. And so just taught her how to do that, gave her a piece of paper, say it, and the first time she read it from a piece of paper after that, she could do it on her own. I had her parents come up to me at the end of the year and says, we have never seen so much spiritual growth. That girl has memorized like the entire Old Testament and we've never seen this much spiritual growth. You know why? Because she was living out what God had gifted her to do. I can sit here and preach and preach and preach, but if you don't do anything with it, you're wasting your time being here. And I don't want you to waste your time. We, we are called, and it is the best way to grow. That's why in 1 Peter 4.10 it says, Just as each one has received the gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Every person here has giftings. 
It's our job to help you discover those and how what's that look like in ministry. But when you're living it out, not just in here but out there, then God becomes real. Man, it's amazing what happens when we live an obedient life. When we are living out our faith and, and we're sharing the gospel and we're, we're serving in ministry and we're serving one another. And so, so we, we do that. The next thing is kind of three things. Passion, people, and worship. Passion, people, and worship. Look at verse 19. It says, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. There's this idea that there's this pattern that happens in our faith. And, and we want to say, and the very first one is our passion about knowing him. Man, are you excited about Jesus? I mean, are, are you actually like, do you remember that moment where it became real? If, if you can't remember that moment, then let's talk today. But there's a moment where it becomes real, and maybe it's over a period of time, or maybe it's an exact moment. But are you excited or <clears throat> are you passionate about knowing him? You know, for years, I've taken people all over the world. I've taken them all on mission trips. And the same th- I hear at the same time, every time we get back saying, man, it was so easy just loving God and worshiping him. And he was so real there, but it, we're back home now. And I don't understand that because I'm like, my Bible says God doesn't change. And so it's the same God that, that I served and I worshiped and I talked to and, and, and I did over there. It's the same God that's here. And so I should be just as passionate. We've become a culture of kind of like convention junkies or camp junkies where, man, I'm just waiting for that moment where I get something and it makes me feel good. And then it fades in a couple of weeks. Listen, I believe feelings have a lot to do with our faith, that we should feel things. We should feel emotion. I think Jesus was very emotional. We see that. We see him weep. We see him, we see him get angry. We see the emotion in that. And I think that. But if your faith is based just on how you feel, you are in so much trouble. I got to be passionate about knowing him every day. I got to wake up and say, man, today your mercies are new every morning. I get to learn something new about God. I get to spend the rest of eternity trying to figure out God, and it's not enough time. Are you passionate about knowing him? Are you passionate about becoming and growing for him? That's, that was Paul's prayer. Is this your goal? Philippians 3, 2. 310, he says, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. Is that your goal? Is your goal, I want to know him. It's a daily discipline. It's a daily thing that I get up and say, I just, God, I just, I want to know you a little bit more. I want to serve you a little bit better. I want to love you a little bit more. See, see, the good news is that the Bible says that he became sin and knew no sin, that we would become as right, that we would become righteous. That at the moment that I understand that I have a need for God, and I love that about the church, that's our common ground. We all need a Savior. Every single one of us. doesn't matter your background. We all need a Savior, and it's Jesus. And the day we realize that, and we come to him, and we say, I know I need you. I can't do it my way anymore. It's not working my way anymore i need to do it your way and i want to do it your way god comes in and he transforms us immediately and we're perfect in his eyes and then for the rest of our lives our life and our body and everything starts catching up to it 
that we spend the rest of our lives being conformed to the image of Christ, looking more and more like him and, and, and growing more like him. And so we have to make it a goal. We have to make it a priority. Can I ask you, what's your priorities? I overslept, so I can't have devotions. I can't spend time in prayer so because i I got to get to work. We got these things going on, so we can't gather with people and we can't do all this stuff. I mean, what's your priorities? Isn't it amazing how easily God and church and faith kind of slides? And can I ask you, has anybody on this planet or in this universe done more for you than Jesus? And yet it's so easy to let it slide. We have to be passionate about our faith in here and out there. People want to know if it's real. And if the only time we have passion about our faith is when we sing a song that we like, then there's a serious issue. It's, it's got to go everywhere. And what happens, man, as that passion grows in us, as we become more and more like Jesus, as we, we start being conformed more to his image, then we start seeing people the way he sees them. Our love for people grows. We start loving each other better. We start loving other people better. We start our enemies, the people we don't agree with. We start loving them because God is transforming us. You see the pattern? I fall in love with Jesus. And when I do that, I start falling in love with what he loves, which is everyone. And it just starts growing and growing. And so we treat each other better. I could never be the husband, the father that I'm supposed to be if I didn't have Jesus. I believe that with all my heart. People ask me, who do you love the most? And I'll tell flat out, I love Jesus. They'll ask my wife, who does your husband love the most? He says, she loves Jesus. he loves Jesus more than me. Because of that, I can love her the way she's supposed to be loved. I can love my kids. I can love other people because I want to be passionate about my faith. My love for people grows. My love for each other grows. And, and I feel that in our church. I love that about our church. I love this. You guys hug and you're welcoming and we're excited. And if you're a visitor today, I just want we're not surprised that you're here. We expect you. We pray for you. We expect God to bring people in all the time that we can love on. And so I think you're the best kept secret in four corners. I just want to shout it out saying, I don't know of any other more loving church than this church. But the only way we say that is if we're passionate for our faith and we start loving one another. Back in Philippians 2, 3, this is what Paul says. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. We have to be a people that says, you go first. We have to be a people that's more concerned about seeing God succeed than the church succeed. And other churches succeeding. And and all of it seeing that God's kingdom grows. We have to be kingdom minded, not building our own kingdom. And we do that when we start loving one another. When we start seeing every person that walks by these buildings, every person we see walks down our streets in our neighborhood as an opportunity to share love and grace. It's what happens when we become more passionate about Jesus. We fall in love of the things that he's in love with, and, and we start loving one another. There, there's a pattern here. I showed you. We get passionate about our faith. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with everything that you have, we get passionate about it. And then we get passionate about people. We love others. And I got to tell you, I believe this with all my heart. This is why I'm pushing it. I'm hounding you all the time that you're going to experience that the most in, in growth and everything in small groups. I, I think as we grow, we have to get smaller. 
And so as small groups gather, just as small little churches in people's homes that get together and love on each other and, and, are, and, are, and are passionate about growing in their faith and stuff, I think that's the best place going. So if you're not involved in a small group, I'm going to tell you again, get involved in a small group. I don't get in a reward. I don't get like some like special bonus from the Florida Baptist Convention. Like, oh, you have everybody in small groups. Here's a cookie. I don't get anything from that. But what I get is people that are falling in love with Jesus and falling in love with community. And so I'm going to yell and I'm going to push and I'm going to bug you about that. Get involved with small groups. Because you're going to experience that. But, but what happens again when we're passionate about our faith and we're passionate about people, then our life, our lifestyle becomes worship. Can I tell you something? Our worship has to carry in here on Sundays from what we've worshipped throughout the week. That's why I hate, that's why I never call this a worship service. We're just a gathering, doing what we should have been doing all week long already. When, when our life is worship, when it's not just about singing some songs on a Sunday or, 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 or doing some, some event and stuff, when our life, when everything that we do is worship, showing the worth of God in our lives and in the jobs that we do and in the people that we talk to, when, when our life becomes worship, that will bleed in here. And when we get in here, man, that is going to make this an inspiring time. When we are worshiping it through our lives, not just through songs and not through just a gathering, it changes everything. We've got to stop making worship some songs that we sing or some church service we go to. It has got to be about how I live my life every single day because I'm passionate about knowing Christ. I'm passionate about people and loving people. I'm growing in my faith. I'm doing that. Man, what a great thing. It's been really, really interesting. Like I said, um, as you guys know, I, like I work at Universal. And, and, and I go in, as I walk in, I'm praying as I'm walking in. <laughs> I'm praying, I'm like, God, just peace tonight, peace today. No, no insanity, no anything. And what I've noticed is people have noticed me doing that, and they start walking with me like, hey, are you praying for this? Can you pray for that? Why do you care so much about this job? It's just a paycheck. I said, because, you know, I do it not for a paycheck. I do it because my God says it brings some glory. I'm here because there's people that need to hear. And I don't know why I'm here. It's not my first choice. I just interviewed for another position. And they asked me, like, what's your 10-year plan? I says, my 10-year plan is for the church to grow enough to pay me so I don't have to work here anymore. <laughs> this is not my passion. I said, but I'm here. And while I'm here, I'm going to give it everything I have. And they gave me the promotion. It's because I look at my job at Universal as worship. And people notice. People will notice you if you take your job as worship. Do you understand? I think that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, Seek first the kingdom of God. Then all these things were added unto you. That you're in your job, you're in your neighborhood, you're wherever you are because God placed you there. We, we follow a sovereign God that has a perfect plan and he put you there because there's someone there that needs to see Jesus. There's someone there that has to have hope, that has to get a picture. And so what you do is worship. And if we do that, can you imagine what it will look like in here on Sunday mornings? There's no priming for worship. We always talk about that in like leadership circles and talking about like, okay, well, how many songs are we going to do? Let's get everybody's heart right and get, your heart should already be right. 
because you've been worshiping all day long and all week long. Man, you want to talk about amazing worship? That's what will happen here. But that's what Jesus was talking about. He said, in John 4, 23, he says, But an hour is coming, and it is now here where, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. By the way, that conversation was talking about the temple, where people worship. And Jesus said, it's not important where. It's important about the heart. And it happens every single day that we worship. Every day. Can you imagine what that would look like in here? That would be amazing. And then finally, man, when we start doing this, when we are living passionate faith, when we are, when we are growing in community in small groups and, and we are growing in our faith and when, and when we are serving out of our gifts and we are doing this, we become a church that is changing the world. That's when it happens. When, when all of us are in this together, when all of us are doing what God has called us to do, we become a church that changes the world. And you guys have heard this back in Matthew 28. It's very simple. Why are we gathered? Why are we here? Here's why. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Jesus tells us, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. When we are living like this, we become a great commission people. We become a great commission church. We fulfill our purpose to know God and to make him known. Listen, if we're not telling anybody about the good news, I love it. One person says good news is only good if it gets there in time. We are running out of time. There are people waiting for us. And, and so we become a great commission church when we are empowered and equipped to lead and serve. When we are passionate about our faith in each other. When we are living worship, not just singing songs. We become bold. We become world changers. Talk about a legacy that's left. Talk about a change. You, you have problems with our community. You have problems with your neighborhood. You have problems at your job and everything. Then share the gospel. Live it out. Live it and speak it. Stand up. Speak up. We have always got to be a place that says this is about God's kingdom, not about us filling seats, about, about lives being changed. This is, this is my heart. I love, I want people to come and I want us to grow and I want us to get a bigger facility. I want to hire more staff and I want to see us do more reach. And I want us to train church planners and, and put them out. And, and I, I want to send people to missions overseas and around the world and around the country. And I, I want to do all that. But more than that, more than anything else, I want to see lives changed. Whether they ever come here or not, I want to see lives changed. I want to see God's kingdom grow because in the end, this church goes away. Every church goes away. There will only be one church. Jesus is the head of it. He'll be the pastor. I'll be a door greeter. It's his kingdom. It's the only kingdom that's going to last. And that grows and that expands. God chooses us to go and share the gospel, to go out and do that. And so we can't help. When we're living a life that's passionate like this, we can't help but keep it. To, uh, we can't help but tell other people. That's... That's what we're called to do. And when we're doing that, then we don't have discussions about church growth because the church is just going to grow naturally. 
Because people are going to want to come and be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. People are going to want to be a part of a movement. I already, that's what the church is supposed to be, a movement. Did you know that? It was never meant to stay still. Every time we read in Acts, if we've been studying Acts, that the church got comfortable and stayed still, what did God do? He sent persecution so they would disperse. So either we start doing it or get ready for persecution because we're going to disperse. <laughs> because it's about God's kingdom. And when we're living this way, man, that's when everything starts growing and our faith grows and everything. We see lives change and we see people going to ministry and giving their lives over and surrendering. We see all that and we become a great commission fulfilling people. And in the end, that's the only thing that matters for a church. Are we fulfilling what God has called us to do? And if we're not. We can't be a church. We can't. Paul said this, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and also to the Greek. It is for everyone. I can tell you, for this church, our growth plan is very, very simple. We share the gospel. That's it. Do we want to build programs? Yeah, we want to build a bigger children's ministry and give it its own night. We're going to need children's workers for that. I can tell you that right now. So if you have a heart for kids, just know that we're looking at trying to give it a whole night, give them this whole building to reach families. Do we want to see small groups? Yes, we think small groups are a way that people are going to grow in our home groups, and we want to see expand. In fact, I've got a list back there of every neighborhood named and an X where someone lives in that neighborhood. And my prayer, and hopefully you'll join me in this, is that we raise up a family from every community, every neighborhood, every apartment complex, and they would have the heart to start a home group in every single community to reach their community, to reach their neighbors. That's great. But, but, but in, in the end, none of it does any good if we're not about the gospel. If the gospel isn't being shared, because that's what changes lives. Not some program, not some survey, not some facility, not a bigger budget. It is the gospel that changes lives. And as long as you let me be your pastor, we will be a church about the gospel. And I will be harping on you every Sunday. Go and share. Go and share. Go and share. When we grow as people, and I'm talking to myself too, by the way. You know, if you, if you haven't been here, there's no one more important than anybody else. Just because I have a title that says pastor doesn't make me any more important than anybody else in this church. That I need to have a lifestyle of worship. I need to be passionate about my faith growing. I need to be passionate about being a community and loving people and stuff like that. And I got to tell you sometimes as a pastor, it's not easy to love everybody. It's not. I'm being honest here. There are days when people come up and they say things to me and I smile at them. I'm like, God bless you. You know, in Southern, that means get on my face. (laughs) (laughs) But I have to do this. But if we commit as a people to grow, church will grow. Lives will change. Community will change.
I believe that with all my heart. John Henry Newman was a theologian back in the 1800s. He says, growth is the only evidence of life. Do you understand that? That the day you stop growing is the day that you're dead. Growth is the only evidence of life. So whether it's numerically, which yes, I think God cares about numbers, by the way. I know a lot of people says God doesn't care about numbers. If God didn't care about numbers, he wouldn't have said, for God to love the world, the cosmos, that he sent his own son, that he cares about everyone and he cares about numbers. But it's got to be about not just quantity. It has to be about quality of life. It has to be about us growing spiritually, growing deeper in our faith, us, us stepping out more in faith. It's got to be both. And I think when we do that, and that will change everything, and we will go deeper. You know, in, in Australia, there's a special group of people. I don't know if you've ever seen, like, video from Australia. You've ever, I have friends in Australia, and it's one of two continents that I haven't visited yet. And uh, my bucket list is to visit every continent. Antarctica, I figured out how. <laughs> it's a really expensive cruise. Um, but I have friends in Australia. But there's some special people in Australia. And I don't know if you've ever seen it. The waves are crazy in Australia. Like surfers like to go there and stuff. It's just, I don't know, the currents and everything. It just goes in. But they have like a special lifeguards that, man, they are just people ready to like dive into these crazy currents to go out and grab somebody in shark infested waters and stuff if you've seen shark week that's where all the that's where all the great whites are (coughs) insane but they just they just they just dive in and and they go just reckless abandon they don't know what's in that water they don't know which way the current's coming they just know that there's someone that needs to be rescued can i tell you something there are too many churches standing on the shore watching the waves crash and saying, we don't know where the currents are. We don't know where culture is. We don't know what's going to happen in there. And we're letting people drown. We were never called to be beachcombers. We were called to be lifeguards that are willing to dive in deeper. That's what we're called to be. To dive deeper. And as we heard in our children's message, even the deepest recesses of the ocean, God is there with us. Man, that's a church I want to be a part of. How about you? Let's pray.